My handle is Jonathan Blade. Welcome to my channel. I didn't really have anything in mind for this space, but I do movie reviews on YouTube, and I thought it might be fun to aggregate some of the shorter reviews, some of the one-minute movie reviews, here. If you enjoy what you hear, let me know, and we'll see about filling in the blanks with some newer content. And thanks for listening. I think this means that I can finally take down my Linda Carter poster. 2017's Wonder Woman is everything the modern DC films have been lacking up to this point. The movie is charming with a spirit of adventure and a brilliant sense of wonder. It's fun. Plot-wise, Wonder Woman is Captain America the First Avenger, but the backdrop of World War I gives the film a unique visual style. It looks cool. The camera loves the earnest Wonder Woman Gal Gadot and objectifies her, but not luridly. This Chris, as Chris's are, is suitably charming and funny, and the Amazons are badass. Other characters don't break anything. The cast can be flat. On the downside, while I like the idea of the big bad, the execution is questionable, the lasso effects are poor, and most of the film looks like it was shot at dusk by a depressed cinematographer. The pacing is also inconsistent. No matter, because Wonder Woman is by far the best general audience film that the DCEU has to offer. My favorite Spidey is still MPH. Spider-Man Homecoming is a different kind of Spider-Man for a different generation. The movie skews strongly towards the Nick Teen crowd, which sounds like a given, but is something that none of the other Spidey films have been interested in doing. Teens Playing Teens gives the movie a bouncier energy, and the whole young cast is likable, with Holland and Zendaya as standouts. RDJ and Favreau are acting roles that they could play in their sleep by now, and Keaton gives necessary balance to the cloying energy of the teens with mature intensity. The theme of the movie is learning to walk before you can fly. The film shows a novice Spidey who causes more harm in every heroic encounter he has than any of the potential crimes he prevents. Holland plays a Peter Parker who has never found a place in life and is desperately trying to create one out of the threat of opportunity given to him by Tony Stark. With Stark Tech doing most of his heavy lifting until the third act, Homecoming Spider-Man feels underpowered, as do some of the effect scenes, but overall the movie looks good. The movie is good, with a thousand little value adds making it fun as well. Homecoming is the least of this year's superhero fare, but is still well worth seeing. Phantom Thread is a relationship film with artisanal sensibilities. Reynolds Woodcock is a particular exacting fussy master dressmaker in the England of the 1950s. His confidence and talent make him popular with the ladies, but he is a man who seeks inspiration from his companions as opposed to the companionship itself. He is looking for a living mannequin through whom he can bestow creative life upon his dresses. In Vicky Cripe's Alma, he finds a woman who meets his standards in form and competence, but from the beginning it is obvious that she is not a woman who will willingly play his dressing dummy. Phantom Thread is about finding function and dysfunction, I guess. That part of the film is as distasteful as it is intriguing. The aesthetics of the film are wonderful, though. Beautiful costumes that shine under a desaturated filmic palette, and P.T. Anderson playing with creative scene transitions. The score is also quite lovely. Very Debussy. The three primaries are all giving great performances, but most of the attention is taken by Daniel Day-Lewis's dedicated performance. To my taste, Phantom Thread is very good, but it also fits quite nicely with this music that I really wanted to use, so there it is. Good thing the rest of the movie worked.
Last Jedi, we continue to follow the stories of Ben Solo, Rey, Finn, and Poe as they grow in their understanding of how the world actually works beyond their daydreams of exceptionalism. The Last Jedi is a commentary on our contemporary socioeconomic and political environment, and because of this, it adds texture to the Star Wars universe, but also subverts old tropes and intentionally ignores fan expectations. As opposed to telling a story of daring do, we see characters grow to learn through their failures that we can only achieve the goals of the people if they're achieved as and for the people. The film has fan service moments for old favorites, all in the interest of celebrating the changing of the guard literally and philosophically, but it never lets this step on the showcasing of classic Star Wars cutting-edge spectacle. Fans keep calling this a Marvel film. If by that they mean thrilling, funny, fun, and also emotionally resonant, then yup. A tribute to black exploitation, 2009's Black Dynamite is the tale of a hard-hitting 1970s street hustler, CIA agent, black activist, vigilante, as he takes on a nested series of black exploitation enemies from malt liquor and the mob, all the way up to kung fu treachery and the ultimate final boss. For those too young to have experienced first or second-hand black exploitation, a brilliant viral marketing campaign with amazing trailers and a series of shorts went over mindshare from a younger generation. Unlike similar films, Black Dynamite is less parody than it is a greatest hits collection with tribute scenes to The Mac, Willie Dynamite, Three the Hard Way, and probably a dozen other films. Unlike the films it emulates, however, Black Dynamite is all wheat and no chaff. There's no filler material here, and genuine laughs are very much intentional. I'm not all alone in my appreciation of this modern classic as the film has spawned an animated series, a comic book, and now an upcoming sequel. Wolf Warrior 2 is a one-man army film that immediately brings to mind 80s action in the vein of Commando by way of a furious movie, but as big-budget propaganda for the People's Republic of China. In an unnamed African country under the threat of civil war, we see beneficent China come to the aid of its little brown brothers when all other countries have abandoned the cause. The racial dynamics are very different from domestic ones, and so I can't say if they are troubling in context or not. Now you might think that Wu Jing as Lang Feng is simply a highly trained ex-special forces soldier until you see him wrestle away a rocket-propelled grenade or basically sweat out movie Ebola, but Lang Feng is honorable and affable with a familiar sadness connected to the plot and a sincere presentation of his superhuman martial competence. His main adversary is Frank Grillo as a PMC leader that may as well be named Ugly American. Now when the ridiculous but guileless action may not be enough to win the day and Beneficent China steps in, I am cheer clapping along with the core audience. This film refers to the old world order as history. In reality that may be ominous, but in the world of this film, I loved it. My handle is Jonathan Blade. 